Some songs are a sermon. I think that was one right there. Amen. Who is the Lord to you? Uh, something we all need to reflect on and think about. 
Well, our preacher this morning is uh, Brother John Wilkerson, and he is uh, the pastor of First Baptist Church there in Hammond, Indiana. And it's uh, a privilege to have him here with us this morning. Uh, they uh, they run somewhere between five and 6,000 on a Sunday morning. And uh, have him out of his pulpit into ours is a really, really special treat. Uh, but beyond just uh, him pastoring a, a large church, uh, above average sized church, uh, he's a man who uh, humbly loves the Lord. I, I've uh, been acquainted with him, and we've known who each other are for some time. But um, yesterday we got to spend uh, several hours together. And uh, my takeaway from that time with him was what I'd already kind of known. And he's just a man who is humble. He loves the Lord. He has a pastor's heart. He cares for people. And God is using him in a mighty way there with both the church and the college. And uh, he's going to come for us. He's going to preach at the sign of the Wilkerson. Come and open the word of God and preach to us. Thank Amen. you very much. If you would please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 84. Thank you, Pastor. What a great man of God that the Lord has brought here to White Oak Baptist Church. And it's a huge blessing for us to be here. And uh, thank you for being a part of the work of the Lord here. He's going to go and conduct the Lord's Supper and, uh, and teach the Spanish congregation. And I'm certainly very grateful for your pastor. I'm grateful for you. Very glad to be with you this morning. And thank you. That song that you just heard was written by the pianist. Uh, Emily wrote that song, Who is the Lord to You? And it's a great song and a wonderful truth that all of us have to find out. You know, our opinion of God will determine... Our commitment to Him. The higher He is, in our opinion, the higher we'll go in our commitment to Him. If you have a low opinion of God, you're going to have a low opinion of His work and and the effort you should put into it. Boy, it's so important that we care much about God. Someone said the most important thing uh, in a man's mind, in a woman's mind, is what comes to their mind when they think about God. Do you think good of Him? Is he good? Is he faithful? Is he just? Uh, if you have a low opinion of God, you will live a low life, uh, unfortunately. And certainly we want to elevate our faithfulness to the Lord. We're glad to be with you and I'm honored to be a small extension just for a few minutes of what your pastor and your church staff do here every day. And thank you for being with us. Stand if you would please and let's go, if we can please, and look in Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Begin reading verse number 1 and read through the entirety of the chapter. Would you follow along? We'll read some of the verses together. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, for they will be still praising thee. Would you mind reading verse 5 and 6 with me, everyone? Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, and the rain also fills the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before the Lord, before God, excuse me. Verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, Hear my prayer and give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, look upon the face of thine anointed. Verse 10, 11. Read that with me, would you please? Everyone together. For a day in thy courts is better. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. 
No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And then together, verse 12, O Lord of hosts, our Father, thank You for the privilege of being a part of the local church this morning. Though away from the church family that I know and love there in Hammond, Indiana, I'm so glad that I can walk into a place here and feel the presence of God. Thank You for the local church. Thank You for a pastor that loves his people and longs to lead them in the things of God. Thank You, Lord, for the previous service this morning and now this service, our Spanish congregation, the Sunday schools that we've heard. I pray that You'd work in a deep way. Bless Pastor as he preaches tonight out of John chapter 8 as he's told me uh, that he's going to speak on this eve and may you use us and may you help all of us to make every effort to get back for the evening service so we can know better about what you want for us and to hear your word once again. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of the local church and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I don't want to preach long. I heard about one guy went to the pulpit. I've got so much to say, I don't know where to start. And one little kid in the back says, start somewhere toward the end. <laughs> uh, that may be what you're thinking too this morning. Someone said, man, your sermons remind me of the mercies of God. I thought they were going to endure forever. <laughs> and you probably said, hold on, Pastor, I'll watch your time. And, uh, but I, I want to share with you this wonderful passage of Scripture. And it helps me understand a lot about the local church. See, God uses three things to get everyone who is a Christian, a Christian. To get people born again, to get people saved. See, in every group of people, there are people that are going to heaven and people that are going to hell. A hundred years from this very moment, all that's going to matter for every one of us is where we live. In heaven with God or in hell without Him. That's all. It won't matter if you held an Android or an iPhone. A Samsung, or it, it won't matter if you, if you, what your address was, or what car you drove, or how much money you accumulated. All that's going to matter a hundred years from today is where you live. In heaven with God, or in hell without Him. If you know you're going to heaven, there's one more thing that's going to matter, and that is how you lived. What you did with the Lord while you were here. Well, God wants everybody to be saved. He tells us He's not willing that any would perish or go to hell, but everyone would come to repentance. And I love it. If you're here today, you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. You're in a good place. You're in a place where you can hear from the Bible how to get to heaven. And that's wonderful. I want you to know that. But the Bible's given to us for two reasons. One, to show us how to get to heaven from here. But secondly, showing us how to live after we know number one. But for someone to get saved, it takes three factors. One, someone has to show them the Bible, the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by? Sure. Uh, In order for me, I remember the night I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Someone lovingly took the Bible and showed me my problem and God's solution. Someone owed me the Bible. I've never seen Jesus. I've never been to heaven or hell. But you know what made me believe in Him? is the Bible. The Word of God. While you read the Bible, the Bible starts reading you. And the Word of God made God real to me, so much so that I asked Him to save me. And He did. Well, God uses His Word. Number two, He uses His Spirit. God's Spirit longs to be inside a person. But He'll only come in if He's invited. But prior to His invitation, 
he must convince the inhabitant there that they're sinners, they need the righteousness of Jesus, and they want to avoid judgment to come. That's very clear. That's what the job of the Holy Spirit is to do. So someone who gets saved, number one, they must hear the Word of God. They must have the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Number three, a local church somewhere has to do its job. Somewhere, there's a local church that tells everyone who gets saved, gets saved directly or indirectly because somewhere there was a body of believers who did their job. Now, let me just tell you, The Word of God is perfect. You don't want to change it, let it change you. The Spirit of God is perfect. It's God. He's without sin. The Church of God is not perfect. Matter of fact, if you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor. Stay out of it. Because you'll mess it up. (laughs) There is no perfect church. A church is just human beings who have been saved by the grace of God, baptized, and voluntarily have chosen to join themselves with the Lord and with the leadership in place to partner to get the gospel to the regions beyond. That's why we exist. And I am so glad for a local church. As a child, I, my dad got saved before I did. And I'm so glad a local church and a Sunday school teacher told my dad how to be saved. And then my dad raised six kids. My name is John. I have three brothers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. (laughs) And uh, that's true. And and then I have two sisters, Acts and Romans. That's not true. (laughs) Their their, their names are Jan and Mary. But all of us have had the joy to be raised. in a matter of fact, I remember hearing the gospel in a church like this one. I was sitting on the back right-hand side whenever God began to convict my heart about my sin and my need to get saved. I got baptized in a local church like this one. It was a local church I've met my best friends. It was a local church where I've been stimulated to hear and to observe God's ways. And I was stimulated to and watch. See, a church is a place where you identify with Jesus. Because the church is not about you and it's not about me. It's about Him. He's the Lord of the church. And the church is about Him. So when I get involved with church... And by the way, you can kind of tell your commitment to Jesus... By your commitment to His house. You've heard people say that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And that's true. You don't have to go home to be married. (laughs) But it makes for a better relationship with your spouse if you'll go home. Yeah. You want to have a good relationship with Jesus? You'll be faithful to His church. Because it's not the church of Pastor Lejeune. It's not the church of yours. It's His church. Yeah. Yeah. So, the church is a, is a place where you identify with Jesus. Number two, it's a place where you not only identify with Jesus, you're instructed for Jesus. It's where you hear God's Word. And faith is, gender, is, is fostered by hearing God's Word. I'm taking on instruction. Church is a place where I'm inspired for Jesus. Where I look around and I see, I remember as a young man watching men... Uh, in our church, love their wives. And I thought to myself, when I get a mar- if I ever get married, I want to love my wife the way he loves his wife. I remember seeing them uh, have kids. I thought, you know what, I want to, I want to help my kids uh, grow up like he's raising his kids to do that. I remember learning to watch to give. I, I remember when we get in my first job and, and, and dividing, dividing my, my offering up. It just takes two things to tithe. Arithmetic and obedience. <laughs> Just take uh, however much he gave you, divided by ten, and bring one-tenth of it to him. I started doing that, but 
I remember watching the men of our church and other ladies of our church give, and I thought, I said, you know, I need to do that too. I was inspired through a local church. It's a place where I'm instructed. I'm inspired. I identify for Christ. It's a place where I get involved. A church is not a place where you just watch everyone else do it. You get involved. You do need to observe, learn, grow, involve, and lead. It's kind of a process God wants us to be. And I think it's the greatest investment. It's a place of investment where we invest our time, our talents, our resources for God for eternal purposes. I love the local church. I think it's one of the greatest uh, organisms. God gave three. He founded three um, institutions. One was the home. Two was the government. And then three is the local church. And I love his local church. I'm very grateful for it. It's a place where we understand the lordship of Jesus, the leadership for Jesus, and the partnership of all parties involved. Well, in Psalm 84, there is a man going to worship. It's a little bit different than our day. This is before the temple was built. And the tabernacle was set up as a temporary place, usually kept in Shiloh in Israel. In the Old Testament, God commanded every man three times a year to stop what he was doing and take a week off and travel to Jerusalem when the temple was there, to Shiloh when the tabernacle was there, and listen to God's word and observe God's ordinances. And they would. They would stop at the Feast of Tabernacles and Pentecost and the Passover, and they would come to Jerusalem. A lot of times families would come at least one time, But they would leave. They would have local assemblies near their house. But annually, they would go down to the tabernacle. And this pilgrim chronicles his walk to the tabernacle. And he talks about four things that church is good for in his own heart. Things that helped him. And I want to share those four things with you this morning as we look about this. Because I think there's applications, even though this was written almost 3,000 years ago, it's very applicable today for you and I. That's what I love about the Bible. It's an eternal book. While you read the Bible, it starts reading you. It's alive. And I hope you will love it and, and cherish it. Let's look, if we can, please, at verse number 1. Would you please? And we see here, what, uh, why was going to church and valuing the church important? Well, number one, he says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The first reason he loved church is because it drew his soul to the Lord. It drew his soul to the Lord. It was there that his soul longeth to know God. You know, I want to say to you, our soul is kind of how we think, it's how we feel, and it's what we want. In any given day. It's our mind or will or emotions. If anyone's honest with himself, you'll have to understand that your heart is not dependable. Yeah, sometimes we don't think right about things. Sometimes we don't feel right about things. And sometimes we do not want the right things. The Bible says, who that trusts in his own heart is a fool. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a fool. Matter of fact, you listen to the pop stars. They say, just go with your heart. Whatever your heart feels, just do with your heart. That is stinking thinking. (laughs) That's not a good idea. Don't go with your heart. The Bible says the heart of a man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
So, God made the church in part to draw our hearts and to reset our souls. To reset them and to satisfy our souls. And there's part of me that I have been many times, I have, I have crawled into the house of God. Really with the world on my mind, with my problems, with, with bad things that I picked up all week. But when I came back to church, I had some stinking thinking going on myself. I had some feelings I shouldn't have felt and I had some, some desires I shouldn't have had. But when I came to church and I heard the pastor preach and he opened up the precious Word of God, I got straightened out. I got satisfied. I got reconnected to the God who loves me. Hey, why is church important? It's a place to bring satisfaction and a reset to your souls. You know, one of the jobs of a pastor and why you and I ought to follow and love our pastor, his job is to... To feed us and lead us, our job is to swallow and follow. <laughs> but why? Because He is watching for our souls. Every one of us, we need the preaching, the gathering of God's people. You know, the Bible tells us not forsaking the assembly of yourselves as a manner of some is. But so much the more attending church more faithfully, exhorting one another... Even as we see the day approaching when Jesus is going to come. Church attendance is really important because through the Word of God and through the people of God, your soul is reset and satisfied. Let's look at the second thing, if you would please. Look at verse number 3. Would you read it out loud with me? Verse number 3 of Psalm 84. Ready? Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Verse 4, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be, what's the next word? Still praising thee, Selah. The second thing he says, I like church, I'm going to church, number one, so I can get my soul satisfied and reset. So it's thinking and feeling and desiring what God wants. Number two, it's a place that stabilizes my heart and my family. As this guy went, he went up there and he looked up there and he saw right beside the church, right beside the tabernacle, a bird, a sparrow, had made a nest for herself. He looked over here and he saw a swallow that she made a nest too to lay her young. And as he went to worship, he looked up at those nests and he said, Oh, smart bird. Smart bird. That bird is chose to raise its family right close to the horns of the altar of God. This is a good thing. And you know, I think smart is the man and woman who will say, you know what, whatever's going on in the house of God, I need to be there. I need to be involved, invested. I want to participate. I don't want to just watch it all happen. I want to get involved to whatever extent God... And you know what he said? He said, that, that bird's a smart bird. It raised its young. Right around there. You know the work of God will do? When you have a love for the Word of God, when you have a responsiveness to God's Spirit that's working inside of you, and when you're faithful to the house of God, you're going to find a stability will come to your life. Stability. When everybody else is blowing with the winds of society and philosophy, you're going to find, hang on a second, I know where I am. I know who I am. I know why I'm here. Why? Because the Word of God and the house of God will bring that stability to your soul and to your children. Boy, it's amazing 
The world wants the first 16,400 hours of every child's life. From the time they start kindergarten to the high school, they want to, they want to shape them. They want to get them into their, to their thinking, their process. You know, God wants your children. He wants your children. Children are a heritage, not of society. They're a heritage of the Lord. Yeah, happy is a man that has his quiver full of them. And they'll speak with the enemies in the gate and God will use them. But they must be stabilized. Hey, listen, moms and dads, get your children in church. Decide that you're going to raise them up and you're going to mentor and model them. Nothing quite frustrates a child like hypocrisy in the home. Listen, do your best. You're not perfect. They know that. We know that. But say, Lord, with God's help, I want to be as consistent in my home as I am at church. I want to be the same person. The Bible says, Fathers, provoke not our children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, because nothing quite ticks a child off more than hypocrisy in their authorities. Make sure that we're consistent. And you know, going to church creates that. A satisfaction to our soul. A stability for our life and our family. Look at the third factor that I think the church family helps us with. And by the way, everybody needs a church family. Everybody does. God didn't make us lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. No, He made us sheep. You'll never find healthy sheep one-on-one running around the wilderness. If a sheep goes off on himself in the wilderness, in short time he'll become lunch. He'll be captured. He'll be eaten and devoured. And so will you and I. If we're not... You find healthy sheep, you're going to find them in a flock with a shepherd that loves them and cares about them. You're going to find them reproductive and serving and multiplying in that way. Well, he said church is good for another thing. Not only satisfaction and reset for my soul, stability for my family, but look at the next thing that it will do. By the way, I love the last part of verse 4. They will be still praising thee. I don't know about you, but I would like to finish my life strong. I can't believe how fast my life has gone. I'm 55 years old. My grandmother said, life is like a roll of toilet paper, John. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> and how many of you know that's true? Boy, so quickly it just went by so fast. And the days can be long, but the years are short. And so fast we're going to stand before God. But I want to finish strong. I think you do too. He said, people that stabilize their life and family, they're still, at the conclusion of their life, still praising the Lord. I like to say this with our church family. All of us, all the way. Can you say that with me? All of us. One more time. One more time. All of us. Yeah, everybody finishing. Doing the right thing, the right way, for the right reason, for a lifetime. That should be the goal of every Christian. Lord, help me keep doing right until I get to see you face to face. I think the local church is about, look, study people. Start looking around at Christians who finish their life strong. You know what you're going to find? They're devoted to the Word of God. They're responsive to the Spirit of God and they stay engaged in the house of God. Check me out. I find when people get away from the house of God, it's like taking coal, a hot coal, out of a fire and putting it over here by itself. In just a short time, it begins to turn black and without heat. 
But when we stay in the house of God, there's another thing. God gives us strength for seasons of suffering and challenge. Look at the verse, if the verse again, verse number six, or verse seven, five. Blesses the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. Verse number six, would you read it with me? Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, and rain also filleth the pools. The Bible tells us here that a local church is good for when you're passing through your valley of tears. The word Baca there, if you speak Spanish, is not the valley of the cow, okay? It's the valley of tears. It's a valley of difficulties. Every one of us have trials in our past. And if you keep breathing, you'll have a few more trials in your future. We live in a fallen world where society, selfishness of humanity, and Satan himself continues to come to bring complexities to life and pain. What do you need? Now, it's a, it's a valley of tears that you pass through. You know, every trial is a temporary trial. It's not, you know, trials, uh, they, come, they don't just come to stay, they come to pass. Nobody has a breakneck, horrible life from start to finish. Matter of fact, most of our days are good days. Many people build a case against God for a couple things that have been done against them at the expense of all that God's done for them. We've got most of us, we have plenty of things to be thankful for. Some of us are stuck on a, a couple things that not, didn't come out the way we'd like to be done. You know, when you're passing through that valley, valleys tend to bring you some cavities, some holes. He said, let the water fill the, the, the pools at the bottom of your soul in difficult times. Sometimes we, we doubt in the night what God shows us in the light. We have difficulties and all of a sudden we build a case against God. He says, let me tell you something. People that are faithful to the house of God. And listen, when you go through a difficult time, don't go away from the Bible. Run to the Bible. Don't go away from church. Go more faithfully to church. It's the place where you need to be. Faithfully serving the Lord in the place that God has chosen you to be. Don't go away from it. Because when you pass through the valley of tears... Let the Word of God fill the emptiness that you have. My wife and I, we have nine children. All of them are girls except for seven. <laughs> uh, we have seven boys and two girls. Our oldest son, his name was Tyler, and he was traveling with a sweet family in our church. And going through that, uh, he was traveling up to, from Long Beach, California to San Jose, and uh, he was a passenger a lady was in an argument with her boyfriend on the side of the road and they were, she was just going back and forth and she finally just put the phone down and unbeknownst to her, she did not see the car our son was traveling in behind her and she just put the phone down and just pulled out in front of them. When they did, they tried to go around but instead of going, we, they went around her but she decided to do a U-turn when they went to go around her and they hit her. The car flipped over. At the end of the accident, the driver was uninjured. The man in the back was uninjured. But our son passed away. He died on the side of the road. He had broke his ribs. And one, one bone of his rib bones went into his, his, to his right lung. The other one went into his heart muscle. And he passed away on the side of the road there. I thought I was going to die when I got off the coroner's call. And he said, I'm sorry, Mr. Wilkerson. Your son has sustained fatal injuries. But now God knows what it's like to lose a son. And He knew how to comfort us. 
But I was so glad as I woke up on that Saturday morning. I went down to the church where I always went on Sunday on Saturday morning to go soul winning and bus calling. And I went into church on Sunday morning and all of our friends came. And they loved us and walked us through that valley of Baca. Oh, it hurts now, but it doesn't hurt near as bad as it hurt during that time. But that time we got to hear God's Word. We got to be around God's people. And strength came from being around God's people. Let me encourage you. You've got some trials in your future. And all of our trials are common to man. Whatever problem I've had and you've had, and I'm not the only one that ever lost a son. She's not the only mama that ever said goodbye to her son. No, you have done it. Some of you have done that. Some of you have trials of loneliness and rejection, of health issues and financial reversals and, and, and living with someone who is very hurt and frustrated. Your trial is, un, is not unique to you. Someone else has it. But boy, going to a house of God and being with God's people and listening to God's Word is very powerful and very helpful in your season of grief and heartache. He said church is important because it satisfies our soul. Church is important because it allows us to have stability for our own life and the life of our family. Church is important because it gives us strength through seasons of suffering and heartache. And we can pray together. We can support each other together. We can be protected by God's grace. The last reason for the church, if you'll look at that, you can see the last few verses. Begin in verse number 10 with me. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give what two things? Grace and no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blesses the man that trusteth in Thee. In closing today, the last reason for a local church, according to this traveler, is because the church stimulates you to do something for God. It stimulates you. You know, sometimes a local church can be a little bit like uh, a college football game with 30,000 people who need exercise and watching 22 people who need a break. <laughs> Some people just sit, soak, and sour. But you know every saint ought to be a servant. Every member ought to be a minister. Everyone at White Oak Baptist Church and First Baptist Church where I pastor ought to have a job to do for God. There is no reward for well done, thou good and faithful spectator. <laughs> Everybody ought to have something they do in the house of God. To win someone to Christ, to pass out a gospel track. Your church has great gospel tracks. Hey, take them. Give them out. You know who gives out gospel tracks? People that have them. <laughs> if you don't have them, you're not going to give them out. Keep them in your purse. Keep them in your car. Keep them on your person. Share them with somebody. If somebody's hurting, run to them. Encourage them. If you've got a visitor, welcome them. And make yourself a welcoming committee of one. Find someone to love and encourage. Everybody ought to do something. The psalmist says there are several tasks. Number one, simple tasks. He said, look, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, than to live out here in the wickedness of this world. Look, you, God will give you simple tasks. There's something simple that you can do. And if He points it out to you, do it. If it's mowing the lawn, or fixing, cleaning the auditorium, or 
If it's, if it's making a, a meal for someone who's going through a difficult... Find something. If it's giving aggressively when someone needs something, do something for the house of God. And you know, there are many jobs that people could do in the house of God there. Some people burned incense. Some people taught the Word of God. Someone uh, offered sacrifices. If he said, if I, all I get to do is just hold the curtain for people to come in and out, I would rather do that than to live a wicked, foolish life out there. God gives you simple tasks to do. He also says that the Lord is a sun and a shield. You know what the sun does? It brings warmth to our life and it brings direction. God will direct you to what you can do. You know, all of us ought to be busy. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure what, I, what I'm good at. Well, just do something. You'll figure it out. People will be able to say, oh, you're good at that. Oh, you're an excellent job. You know, everybody ought to do something for the Lord. He said, he said the, the Lord is a, he's a son. He'll give you direction. There'll be something that come up in the White House, in the White House, White Oak Baptist Church. And, 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 you, and the Spirit of God is going to say to you, go, you can do that. You can do that. You ought to go on that mission trip. You ought to participate that. You ought to help someone go to, to camp. You, you, there's something going to happen. When God directs you, say yes to His direction. He'll give direction. And He's a shield. He'll give protection. You know, the safest place for you to be, sir and ma'am, is right in the middle of God's will for your life. Doing what God wants you to do, where He wants you to do it. Some of us, we let fear keep us from doing something. Fear has a way of paralyzing us. But the Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power to do what we should do, to love as we should love, and a sound mind to think like we should think. May God help us to be stimulated to do simple tasks, directed tasks, protected tasks. And then the Bible says, the Lord is a sun and shield. He will give what two things? Grace and what? Glory. Grace is God's supernatural help. Do you know I find that one of the reasons people don't pray is because they don't think they need God. You know what makes us all pray is when we're totally helpless ourselves. Helplessness and faith cause us to pray. Many of us, we don't pray because we don't need it. We got this. We've done this. I know how to do life. And so we don't ask God for help. But when you begin serving God, you'll find that you'll need His assistance. You'll need His grace. And grace doesn't just save a man, though everyone is saved by grace. Grace means God's help. Do you save yourself? No. No, the secret of eternal life is to learn that it cannot be earned. If you're here today and you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven, you need the grace of God. No one saves themselves. No one has the ability to, to... If you could save yourself and I could save myself by being good or stop doing bad, then why would Jesus have to die on the cross? Well, Jesus had to die because there's no other way that sinners like us can be reconciled with a holy God. So that's why the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It's not something you do. It's the gift of God. Eternal life is a gift for the guilty, not a reward for the righteous. It's something that is free, that must be done by God's grace. But after we're saved, we live by faith and we still need God's help to do what He wants us to do. 
And then he says, I'll give grace and I'll give glory. See, the local church is a place that stimulates me to do simple tasks, directed tasks, protected tasks, assisted tasks, and rewarded tasks. There's a dirty, rotten, low-down lie out there. And it comes from Satan himself. That if you serve and get aggressive with doing something for God, He will not do right by you. But that's a lie. That's a lie. The Bible says no good thing will He withhold from them who walk uprightly. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Him that comes to God must believe that He is and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Dear friend, anything we give to God will be will be done with reward. Jesus said before He closes out the Bible, He says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. The Bible says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, sometimes when we give our offering, we think, oh, well, if I had that money, I... no, no, no. That's the only money you'll ever see again. Oh, when you do something for the Lord, that becomes eternally significant and will be rewarded by God in this life and the life to come. Don't buy into that, that, that lie. The local church. It's a place where my soul is reset and satisfied. It's a place where my life is stabilized and I can help stabilize my family. It's a place where I get strength through seasons of suffering and difficulty. It's a place where I'm stimulated to serve. Listen, if you, don't, if you go to a church and you came as you, as you were and you left like you came, you're in the wrong church. You want to go to a place where you're stimulated. You know what a job of a good pastor is? It's to comfort those who are afflicted and afflict those who are comfortable. (laughs) If you find yourself comfortable in your Christian life, you probably need a little proverbial kick in the pants to do something more so because in just a few days we're going to see Jesus. Be faithful to the Word of God. Love your Bible. Read your Bible. Meditate on your Bible. Talk about your Bible. Be responsive. Obey every spiritual impulse the Spirit of God gives your heart this week. And then make a decision. I'm going to build my life around a good local church. And if you move from this location, you quickly, don't pass go, don't collect $200. Go right to another good church. And get involved in a very aggressive way. Because God uses the church to satisfy our soul, to stabilize our lives, to strengthen us in trials, and stimulate us to love and serve the God who loves us. Let's bow our heads in prayer, can we? Thank you very much for your attentiveness this morning. I can tell that you are used to hearing the Bible preached. Thank you for the way that you listen. I'm so honored to be with your pastor. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, and would you just, uh, in, in reverence to God, bow your head and in privacy to those around you, close your eyes just for a moment. Could you maybe answer this question? What did God speak to your heart about this morning? You don't want to be stirred and not changed. And if God spoke to you, would you speak back to Him right now where you are? Maybe you could come in the invitation and take a moment to stand or kneel before the Lord and say, God, help me with that. 
It's very rude when someone speaks to us if we do not respond in speaking back to them. It's very, very rude to have God speak to us and we don't speak back to Him. Right where you are, would you say to the Lord God, please help me. You fill in the blank. You might need to say, God, forgive me. And you fill in the blank. How many would say, Pastor, I'm not all I ought to be, but I do know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I do know that I'm saved. There's been a time and place, and if we could talk privately, I could tell you where I was and when it was that I accepted God's gift of eternal life. And I'm thankful that God took my sin and I took His Son. I have Jesus. I know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand high in the air right now? Hold it up high. God bless you. If you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. Now put your hands down. And would you just say a prayer of God? Thank you for saving me. Rejoice in your salvation. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, I I couldn't raise my hand. I was honest. I I didn't raise my hand because I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have peace with God. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I have not let someone take the Bible and show me how to be saved, but I am interested in that. Pastor, would you please pray for me? Would you hold your hand up? Hold it up high. Anybody? God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not sure. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? I'm not sure. Please pray for me. Anyone else? I'm not exactly sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But please pray for me. God bless each of you. If you raised your hand, or you should have, listen, I remember where I was the night someone asked me, John, do you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? I didn't know. But that day became the very best day of my life. Someone took the Bible and showed me how. You'll have to overcome two obstacles. Pride and procrastination. Because it takes humility and obedience to, to accept God's way of salvation. I want to encourage you, if you're here today you're not saved, don't leave this property without letting someone explain that to you. We'll do that. You're in a good place. If you need to follow the Lord in baptism today, pastor's ready to do that. We'll be glad to do it. Uh, Brother McGuire will be here to help you. Would you look this way if you would please? Everybody, look this way. Thank you for your attendance this morning. We're going to have a word of invitation. It's very biblical. When God speaks to our hearts, it gives us a chance to speak back to Him. Some folks, I love it when people respond. I think it's God's. It doesn't doesn't do anything for me. I don't count heads. But I think it's good when our hearts are humble and we say, Lord, You spoke to me. I want to speak back to You. The altar's open. Maybe you have a need you need to pray for. Maybe you have someone that you need to, someone needs to talk to you about some things. If you're here and you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven. Let someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. You can come. I'll be glad to do it. Pastor McGuire will do it. We'll be glad to take the opportunity to explain the gospel to you. If you have something you want to speak to the Lord about, I think it's a great idea. Let's stand together. I'll pray. The instrument will play. Dear Lord, please work in hearts. Please help us today to respond to what you're doing in our hearts personally. We ask this in Jesus' name.